Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have the one and only Tammy Thrasher Mitchell on the show. And we are going to have a blast today. So do me a favor, share this out and let's get this party started. Stay with us. And here we are, the moment that you've been waiting for your entire life. Let me bring Tammy on the show. Tammy. Ah, good morning, Ken. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Such an honor. You have amazing guests. I'm like, you. I get to come on your show. I do have amazing <laughs> guests. You. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you, no, Ken. I'm, I'm honored to have you on. And I know, you know, we've been friends on Facebook for a while. Um, I think we've spoken in a couple of clubhouse rooms yes. together and, um, but I don't really know you all that well. And I want to get to know you and, and I want, I know you're, you're, you're working with some amazing people that are mutual friends. And, um, I just, I, I, I can't wait to hear your story. So why don't we start with where you were born and raised? Uh, I was actually, um, born in Berlin, Germany. I'm an army brat. Oh, wow. Uh, my dad was army intelligence and we moved stateside when I was two ish. So I, I don't have like a lengthy German, you know, bio, but yeah. that's, that's, that's my, I consider it home um, to some extent. Germany. Yeah, I do. And it part what? of it. Yeah. Like that's my homeland. That's why I have a huge heart for Germany. Um, part uh, of it is then we'll get to it. We'll, we'll weave there, but, um, I've been there multiple times and I actually was able to be there when the, uh, the Berlin wall came down. So oh being that God. I was born just a couple of miles from the Berlin wall, it holds a real special place in my heart. And, but you left there when you were two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my dad also lived there. He was raised over there. My okay. grandparents, it was all military. Yeah. You know, we're multi-generational Americans, but there's a lot of ties to Germany. And wow. we also had, uh, we've had probably 20 exchange students um, between my childhood home and my adult home of exchange students from Germany. And so it's, it's a very special place to me. Uh you know, I I have um, and my buddy Doug Wing. I don't know if you've seen me and Doug Wing on together. Yeah, He's I have. Yeah, little giant ladders, right? Yeah. His, I think it's his mother is from Germany, and and so he was born in Germany as well. Oh but, yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah, that. Yeah. So so so, but here's something crazy. I like I've done website development for a long time, right? My second professional website for my company was a German five-star restaurant, this chef who used to cook for the president. And, you know, I'm not going to mention his name. Um, he was so nice, such a nice, nice guy. His wife, on the other hand, <laughs> they're both from Germany. Hammy, she wasn't very nice. I'm just <laughs> It the world is made up of all kinds, you know, and I've been over in Europe plenty of times where they're like, you're a cool American. 
<laughs> but we've met some that <laughs> yeah right yeah. Aren't, aren't so cool uh, <laughs> yeah. it takes all kinds right it takes yeah. but no, i know there's a very stoic behavior amongst german culture yeah. um and some of the women are just they're i i shouldn't say women some of the people they just they have a very um hard like they're just hard working they don't have a lot of emotion yeah. When yeah. you think about the journey a lot of Germans have been through um, since right. World War One, World War Two, and people think, oh, you know, that was so long ago. It really wasn't for, you know, some people there's like there's a multi-generational effect, you know, that behavior travels through generations. Yep. Yep. And You're so right. Unless you break the cycles and you decide to get out and be, you know, I'm an introvert who shows up like an extrovert because I choose to, right? right yeah. But but my generational history would probably show me being a bookworm and keeping to myself and you know yeah. having a lot of insecurities, which I do, but I push through yeah. them, you know, keep breaking sure, through those. Sure. So so yeah, so long story short, born in Berlin. I've lived wow. all I've lived all over the I mean, I've lived in seven states, I think, and three countries. So I've made some rounds. Uh, Texas is home, though. Texas is really, that's where I've spent the majority of my life. It's where the majority of my family is. Yeah. Yeah, we have, some, my my buddy Joachim is joining us from hell in, in Norway. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. So I. Uh, and and we have Sweden. Thomas is, is with us here from Sweden. Vodengore, Thomas. Wow, listen to this. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So, so do you speak French as well? I speak a little, I understand more than I speak. Cause I think you may know this. My daughter's married to a Frenchman. I did not know that. <laughs> what? Wow. She, my daughter just moved back stateside after living abroad for five years. Uh, she met her French husband while living in Australia. Wow. Do you understand what Joaquin just typed? It, he said it goes, I don't know, bra. I'm, Swedish is a little different than Danish, but I'm going to say good. You know, I mean, like, got is good, but bra, I, yeah, I'm not sure, bra, Thomas. I apologize. I know um, what it means in American. <laughs> me too. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> um, but I hope you don't mind. Can you tell me to have fun? You're going to get off. Oh, uh, we're going to have fun. This is awesome. So, <laughs> so, so you were. You came back here. Yeah, it's it means all good. All yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. All wow. good. So Norway and Sweden, are they close together? So Canada? yeah, Denmark, Sweden, and then Norway and Finland, the Scandinavian countries. Yeah. And wow. um, I spent a lot of time in Denmark and then traveled around Sweden and Finland some. I was 17 when I did that, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Uh, this okay, so we gotta dig deep here. All right. So so you you came back stateside when you were two. Did you move to Texas? Is that where your parents we we were in Texas shortly for a little while for my dad's uh he was still in the service and then when he left the service, we moved to Utah. He went to college there, uh Utah State in Logan. We moved back to Oklahoma, then back to Texas. And then when I uh, was in high school, I left and went to Denmark as an exchange student, came home. 
I'm in small town, East Texas. Um, at the time there were about 65,000 people. And after spending nine months traveling around Europe, it was hard to be in small town, East Texas. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and I didn't have a very clear plan for college. Um, and it was the early nineties and I just kind of went on, started my adventures and roaming the, the, the Western U.S. I went to Utah and then ended up in California for a decade. Wow. Uh, yeah. What part of California? Bay Area. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you said. And now I'm back. Huh? And now I'm back in Texas. Right. So you went to California as an adult, though. I did. I okay. did. Let's go back to the, so you're in, I'm assuming you're in high school in East Texas. Is that where you? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Football well, country. 17 would still be high school. Yes. I spent my junior year. Um, so yeah. my mom owned an exchange student company. Oh, wow. and, Jeez. and so I'm, so give you a tiny quick background. I'm the oldest of six kids. Um, and good morning, Eb. I see you there. I saw Lynn as well. Hey, Lynn. So um, I'm the oldest of six kids. My parents started hosting exchange students as an, a source of extra income when I was about eight or nine years old. And uh, the, I, yeah, so I was, and my mom was actually pregnant with one of the younger brothers at the time. And so I started, our, our first exchange student was actually from Finland, second one from Sweden. And so that's where I kind of get familiar with the Scandinavian countries. And, yeah. um, and then, uh, then we, um, when I got into high school, to be honest, I'll, I, I don't actually tell this story a whole lot, but I went through some pretty traumatic shit. Well, I mean, trauma happens, right? But, but I actually went through a pretty significant um, loss emotionally with a friendship that really was very painful. And there were, there were a lot of bigger pieces to it. I'm not going to go into today, but I sort of felt betrayed, abandoned, and like the closest people to me were no longer available. And we, and one, and one of my very best friends got yanked out of school and moved away because of some things going on with her family that had a ripple into my world, but Jeez. Wow. it was, Teenagers are hard, you know? And, I, I know. Yeah, I have one. Yeah. Um, I have one that's almost 16 and one that's 11. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah. And they're both girls. So, and girls are very different. I have one of each. My daughter's an adult. My son is four, 15. I know. So, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, and then I, I, yeah, I went through it myself and I've got five younger brothers and sisters. So, mm -hmm. I, um, I, and we had hosted exchange students, one to three exchange students in our home since I was about, well, starting at eight or nine, but it geared up and they were constantly kids coming in. And it actually, um, there were a lot of benefits to it. But for me, there was also a lot of stuff I was shifting through and growing through and dealing with some pains. Yeah. And I, um, I actually attempted suicide. And so I... Wow. Um, wasn't doing well. Nobody actually knew that at the time that it happened. I overdosed on pills and fortunately lived through it without going to a hospital. And, and I don't know how I lived through it, but um, I went to my parents. I didn't tell them about that because I just didn't think they could handle I didn't think my parents could handle it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, and I, uh, 
I said, I need to leave. I need to go away. I can't be here. And so my mom reached out to a, an exchange student who's now one of, he's like, he is totally family. He's one of my very, very best friends, lives in Denmark. And wow. He and I did not get along the year he lived with me because I was going through a lot the year he lived with me. And he is also, Ken, he was smoking hot. Okay. <laughs> he was smoking hot. Everybody wanted to be my best friend to get to know him. Every girl wanted to spend the night to get close to him. Every guy thought he was like the best, you know, just bro out there. And I, I can relate to his pain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Totally well, kidding. I couldn't relate to, I mean, like I was the, uh, I felt like an ugly duckling. Like I was just awkward and tall and super skinny and just weird, like just quiet. It was super quiet. And I was very uncomfortable in my own skin and, and I just didn't handle his presence very well. <laughs> my wife said, wow. <laughs> hey, Jill. <laughs> Well, I mean, can't you? See, I see it, you know. Yeah, right. Um, oh, that's so funny. So, yeah. So, I, my mom arranged for me to go live in Denmark, and and my friend's heist. He was blown away that I asked to come, um, because he just was like, "Whoa, we barely." And he, like, he tried to be friends with me, but I had this wall up. I wasn't coping well with things, and. And I can talk about it now, but back then I couldn't. And he and I talk about it. We have a very, like, we both know the history there. So, but he, he, he was a, his mom was a single mom with two teenagers at home and a three bedroom, two baths, simple, simple. And Scandinavia homes are simple. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's probably a thousand square foot home, cinder block, exterior, hardwood floors, nothing fancy. And um, Tice actually gave up his bedroom for me and he went and slept on the floor in his mom's room so I could be there and have my own space. For how long was that? That was for about three or four months until his sister moved out. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And he, and they enrolled me in his school. So I went to gymnasium, which is like early, it's university college, entry college here. I went wow. to gymnasium there and I took all the classes. I had like nine classes mixed up like college courses. And um, I just kind of started finding me. It's when I started finding me. And they're the native language. The it's not English. Is not the like. What's the what language? They it's Danish. Da okay, <clears throat> okay. So you did you know Danish? Nine. No, no, I did not. Nine. That's German. <laughs> That's German. But uh, I no, I did not speak uh, Danish. I went over there with zero Danish skills. Period. Wow. Um, enrolled in school, wow. and my classes were like. Danish, German, English, chemistry, biology, math, music, PE, something wow. else. And uh, I did great in the sciences and math and English class. Um, yeah. And I actually took, I went to Danish as a second language during some of the classes. So I didn't go to their Danish class. I went to my Danish class. I didn't right. go to their German class. I went to my Danish class. And uh, so, Yaitela Dansk. Um, that? that means I speak Danish. Wow. So you, is it like fluent now? I read it way better. I read and understand way better than I speak. Um, wow. my, my, I would, and it's been, I mean, 
been a few decades. <laughs> it's been a couple of decades. It's like 30 plus years. So I uh, hold on to some of it and I wow. practice some of it. Um, um, I, I, I do love social media today in the world we live in today because I get to uh, continue exchanging dialogue. Uh, yeah, Yoakum. Yeah, Donsk is very similar to Norsk. Yes, absolutely. You uh, said Yoakum. That's not, that's how you pronounce it, Yoakum? Yeah, well, and I'm probably not even saying it as well as they do, but yeah, Yoakum. It's not Joachim. No, it's Yoakum. <laughs> he oh, may go yeah. by Joachim for American sake, but. <laughs> it's Yoakum. I'm never going to remember that now. <laughs> so every time he's on one of my live streams, I'm going to be like, uh, wow. Wow. Okay. So, so this was when you were 17, you were over there, right? And you I were did. there for how long? I was there for about nine months total. So, um, it, uh, went over, went to school and then, um, went and toured around <laughs> Christopher. That's awesome. Very what good interview. Me oh. Mega, mega go interview. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Is that that's Danish? Danish? Yeah. I'm gonna know Danish by the end of this interview. I well, Christopher feeling. Voss. Voss is a Scandinavian name, I believe. Yeah. So He's uh, a good dude. Good he is him. awesome. I met him on Clubhouse with all you guys. I was oh, on the show where he talked to Glenn and broke down and I was uh, on that show. Yeah. Were you there? Wow. I was there, I was there like 2 a.m. Just oh. Everybody's yeah. hearts were just pouring out that night. That was it fun. It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so you were there. I'm sorry. You were there how long again? Nine months. I went to school. When summer came, I went and got a URL pass. You know, Ken, I think the interesting thing that, that people don't think about today when they travel, travels change so much. Um, and it seems easy and convenient overall for people. And they have their cell phones that work there. Um, when I went over, long distance was mega expensive. Okay. Mm. So calling was expensive. I'm talking over a dollar a minute to yeah. call home. And I, I did have a calling card. I did not have a cell phone. I did not have a pager. I did right. not have a credit card. <laughs> I was I was uh, over wow. there on my own. And um, my host family didn't really have any extra money. My family, we weren't, uh, we were very, very middle class. And yeah. you have that many people in the house. And my dad was the primary uh, income earner making 50,000 a year. Um, my mom's exchange student company took off about the time I finished high school. So mm -hmm. she, so everything was, you counted every penny, right? Mm -hmm. you stretched everything. So I didn't um, talk to my family a whole lot. There was no email. There was no online communication like this. And yeah. so I didn't talk to my family a whole lot. And uh, I did manage to run up the cell, uh, the, the home phone long distance bill and, and Tice, my host brother, came to me when he saw the bill come in because it was really thick. <laughs> and oh my God. Like, I can't show this to my mom. She'll die. And, uh, and she didn't speak a word of English, by the way. She only spoke Danish and German. So I quickly acclimated to understanding Danish very quickly. And I remember I started dreaming in Danish and thinking in Danish. And Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Wow. Um, Oh yes. And, and going to school there was free. I even had a bicycle accident, had to go to the hospital and an ambulance and that was free. Like it, it was, 
all i mean i just went over there and participated in their culture their world the, um, but the, the the phone bill was not free phone bill was not free right <laughs> so yeah. it was like uh i remember it was 600 crowns uh which i think was the equivalent of about 125 dollars or 150 dollars at the time and today yeah. it's like i don't mind writing a 150 dollar check today but when i was 17 yeah and 1989 dollars uh, that was, that was a lot. So I went, uh, so I started working my host brother's newspaper route for him wow. in the mornings before school. Um, and then my host mom got me a job at a bakery that I worked under the table and worked there on the weekends to make money. So you, a Danish, a Danish bakery. Yeah. <laughs> did you know that Mark Victor Hansen's father was a Danish baker? I did because I, I'm very fascinated with him because of that Danish connection. Yeah. He's like, it's unbelievable. Like I'm I, like all these dots are connecting. So, <laughs> so eventually, so you're there for nine months, which in the, the big picture really isn't that long. Um, no, but, but it's, it, it, mean it's huge. You know? Yeah. Right. I, I was going to say it had a profound impact in your life. It changed my whole life changed wow. my entire life. Um, so you came back to East Texas? I did. I came back and finished high school. Okay. Um, I had one year left to go. Uh, I, I ended up finishing high school and then promptly left and went to new adventures then. Did um, you go to college? Mm, no, no, <laughs> I, I, no, <laughs> I, I played, I played with it a little bit. Like yeah. I would, I worked, I've always worked. I started working at, I started babysitting for other people when I was eight, nine years old. I, my, I worked odd jobs for family members. My parents managed an apartment complex. I started working with them when I was five. Like I've always worked. And yeah. so, um, I found it easy to move on to work more than school. And I, I love learning. I'm, I'm a little bit smart, um, <laughs> <laughs> <A little> <laughs> but I, but I, I really That's love funny. to learn the things I want to learn. <laughs> right. right. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm totally <laughs> with you on that. That's funny. I'm a little bit smart. I, I, I don't think I've ever had anyone say that on the show. So <laughs> that was the first. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I, my father was a genius. He really truly was graduated valedictorian college, high school. Like he was Mensa. He was hyper intelligent. I didn't actually realize I had any intelligence until I moved away from him <laughs> because his was like, whoa, it was, it, it just, I, I mean, I, I loved it. I loved it, but yeah, it's all relative. Everything is relative. So I, I, I do want to tell you just because breakthroughs are such a big part of your show, Ken, that when I was in Denmark, that's when I had my first like true non-family member mentor. One of my best friends there, his dad really intervened in my life. And he, he was one of the people who really inspired. Um, and it's something I speak about from stages and help people with, I've coached people through. Um, and that is, um, Actually, it's emotional intelligence, which Thomas just mentioned, but he didn't give me in those words. It was emotional intelligence, emotional confidence and understanding the difference between being being shy 
and being curious and being engaging. And he would watch me. We were very, we did the Scandinavians are very social culture. At least when I was there, I imagine it hasn't changed much from my experiences visiting since. But um, like we had birthday parties before school. We had gatherings on the weekends consistently. And my, my friend's dad, he saw us a lot and he watched me and he said, why do you sit in the background? Why are you on the sidelines? Why aren't mm. you engaged? Why aren't you participating? Why aren't you creating memories here? Yeah. I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm great. This, I'm just, I'm a quiet person. I like to observe. I like to, and all these are things are true. I was yeah. very much an observer, especially in uncomfortable space. I was, I'm never going to be the life of the party. I am, I am one to soak things in and then decide where to step in and where to participate cautiously. And he just was like, why do that? You know? And I said, well, I don't speak the language, you know, and they're speaking Danish. And the, he said, every single kid here speaks English well. So don't wow. give me that. And the, you're never going to learn Danish if you don't start speaking it. And he just, he just really called me out on things. was very direct, kind and loving, but very direct. And he said to me, he said, you know, you need to step up, step in and engage and be part of life because you're never going to get to your deathbed and think, wow, I'm glad I watched world, the world pass me by. Mm. And wow, I'm not going to tell you I embraced all of his wisdom in that moment, but it hit me. It stuck with me. He's, I mean, he's passed since then, but I'm still very close to his family. Wow. And um, he, he's a huge impact in my life. And, and I do show up, I show up with the energy I want to receive. And I connect with people with no expectations of what the outcome is going to be. It's where I've come with my relational capital and curious conversations with people. And he really stemmed that. I, I love what you said in the beginning of this interview when you said, I'm an introvert that shows up as an extrovert and because I'm the same way. And most people would never in a million years guess that, right? Like if you show up as an extrovert, people are like, wow, that, that chick is the life of the party. When in <laughs> fact, you're like, no, I'd rather be, you know, not in the party at all. That's right. right. <laughs> you know? So that's pretty amazing. So, so, so when you came back, you, you did not go to college. Where, where did you, I didn't go. I, I dropped out of high school as a matter of fact. So you're, you're, you got one up on me. Um, I, in 12th grade, I was like, this is ridiculous. And your rules are stupid. And I'm out of here. Um, like I did this, like it was stupid. Anyway feel any better. I feel like I have an honorary high school diploma. <laughs> yeah. because, and that's because when I went to Denmark and came back, the local high school actually wouldn't give me credit for my classes over there. What? No, because See, that's what I mean. That's exactly that. I rest my case. That's the dumbest. Our system's so messed up. So a private school that was administered by, and most of the teachers there had been a lot of my administrators and teachers in an elementary school for the gifted and talented. And my mom placed it, placed a ton of exchange students in their program that they made a lot of money off of. They offered to let me come there for free and graduate there. And I basically, if you look at my transcript, it just says, I just have credits. I don't have grades. I don't have a true GPA. I just have credits. I have great SAT and ACT scores, but I didn't have that. I didn't have that traditional high school. Wow. And, and you know what? 
Now, I mean, I had the option to continue high school another year here. And I said, I'm not doing that. I've got wings to spread. Life they to said live. the same thing to me. I had, because well, mine was because of a biology credit I didn't get. And I'm like, I hated that class. Like, I, well, I didn't go. <laughs> like, that's why I didn't get a credit. <laughs> I didn't show up. Like, you know, I, and anyway. It, it, our system is really let we we could talk that could be a whole other show. That's another show. <laughs> yeah. But so so you you um you went to work. Where, I went to where, work. Where, where, where'd you go? Where what was your so your I left Texas? My so my dad's so here was the thing, you know, I lived in a house with a lot of people, right? And yeah. My dad was like, hey, if you want to go to the local junior college, which I called the 13th grade, he said, I'll help you out and you can stay home. And I said, I, I can't. And so many of my good friends were gone to the University of Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, you know, LSU. Yeah. And I just was like, no, I, I'm not going to those schools. I don't know what to do. I don't want to go. The economy wasn't great in, in all the cities in Texas at the time was sort of in flux. I had family in Utah and uh, the, I remember this specifically, the unemployment rate there was less than 2%. And I was like, I've got family there. I've been offered some really cheap housing and I know I can get a job. Right. Yeah. And so I packed the car and moved to Utah just on a whim, just like, boom, here we at, go. At what age? 18? 18. Wow. And, and um, I went and started knocking doors, filling out resumes, looking for jobs. And I really wanted to go work for a bank. And I went to every bank and did not get a job at a bank. But I got a job with, um, a so in high school, I worked at Michael's Hobbycraft store. And, and I yeah. uh, was during the summer months and holidays, I actually ran the floral department. Um, and so... Oh. So I, I don't know, this gift shop hired me on the spot with my experience and I, and they had a lot of great relationships. So relationships, right? Yeah. They had a lot of great relationships and they gave me all, they had, they owned seven companies and they wow. just started introducing me to people and giving me part-time jobs wherever. And I had nothing else to do. So I worked and Utah's not really known for its partying state. And I was under 21. So yeah. I spent a lot of time working and um, I ventured out and had some fun. Don't get me wrong. I had fun, but um, I just made a lot of money and made a lot of relationships. And um, that's, uh, I ended up in an insurance company where I met my first husband and it's where my daughter came from. So she was born in Salt Lake city wow. before, right before I moved to California. So that's where Doug wing is from. Okay. And yep. he was born in Germany and there's just a connection there. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, he's a, and he's a member of LDS. There, there there's LDS is everywhere in Utah, right? There like, are, there are for yeah. sure. My mom was LDS. I was not, but oh, my mom okay. was. Wow. Wow. So, um, so you, so you, you met your first, your first, you said you met your first husband there. Mm -hmm. Your daughter was born in Salt Lake city. Yep. Um, but you're not in Utah anymore. No, we moved to California four months after she was born. Oh, okay. Your husband, because of your yeah, husband. he had a job offer to okay. go to San Francisco, and okay. it was a great job. And um, my dad's favorite city was Monterey, so we spent a lot of time in the Bay Area. And yeah. wow. and so I was like, yeah, let's go. I'm clearly I'm up for an adventure. Yeah. So, wow. So you went to Cal and, and, and you said you were there for a decade. 
Yeah, yeah, I was there a little over a decade. Wow. And um and I did all I mean, I got a great job at 22. <laughs> so shortly after moving there, probably I don't know, I've lost track of time, but let's just say within about a year of moving there, I needed to part ways with my then husband and I wasn't working. So I had postpartum depression on some level, but I also, if you know the Bay Area, it's very foggy. I don't know. I've never been in the Bay Area. Well, go in October. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the San Francisco Bay Area is kind of known for its fog and especially okay. certain times of year. And summer, ironically, is sort of one of the foggiest times of the year. And I went into a pretty severe depression because I lived in a fog bank. And I didn't oh. know there, I didn't know there was sunshine. Like we literally lived at the top of a hill in an apartment where all I could hear the ocean and sometimes see it. And it, I loved hearing the ocean. And I loved going down to it. But I didn't realize if you traveled like ten minutes this way or that way, because I just kind of stuck to my little circle that I knew, and oh. I just had this baby, and I didn't have any friends there, and I didn't have social media to find people that were there, and so. I just was isolated and um, and there were just some things going on where I needed to shift gear. So I went and got a job and I actually, I, 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 I didn't want my husband to know I was job interviewing. And so I talked to the staffing agency and they like, they're loving me. They're loving my resume, my energy. They're just like, oh my gosh, we are going to place you in the best jobs. And I said, okay, that's great. They said, okay, we lined up these interviews for you. You need to be come downtown San Francisco, which I'd really only done with my husband. And I, by the way, my car was a stick shift in San Francisco. Oh, <laughs> Lots of hills. I've seen videos. Again, I've never been there, but I, I can't even imagine. Wow. Um, and, and parking is challenging in the city. Oh my and, gosh. And so they're like, and I don't know anybody to trust to leave my baby with. I don't know anybody, right? I don't have a babysitter. I don't have a friend. I don't have a oh mom. My right there. God. So I'm like, I'm telling this lady, I'm almost crying to her. her name's Marilyn Arnell and I will never forget her. Okay. And she said, she said, Tammy, you bring that baby to me. You come here, you come to my office, you bring that baby to me, you go to these interviews. And she paid for my parking. She wow. took care of my baby. I went on five what? interviews. She kept my baby. I was there in their office. They did it, lined it up so I could do all my interviews in one day. This is the staffing agency. The staffing agency. Oh my gosh. They kept my nine month old, she was, I guess, seven, eight months old at the time, baby, and we're just, tending to her all day long. And I would bounce over and check in and then I'd go to another interview. I interviewed with five of the big six accounting firms at the time there were big six and I got offers from all five of them. And I didn't go with the highest paying one. I went with the one that I just felt the most chemistry, yeah. most opportunity with best choice of my life. Um, just led to one thing after another and some killer relationships I'm still blessed with. And um, I just, I, I, I had a lot of people step in and help me through some challenging, uncomfortable moments. And like, just, it's just so amazing when you show up again, show up with what you want to receive, show up with the energy you want to get back, show up with faith and trust and love and find people you resonate with. Your most authentic vibe attracts your truest tribe. And I have been blessed to continually find those people. Wow.
that what a you know what um and maybe it was maybe it was filmed in the bay area but um the movie um the pursuit of happiness with oh yeah i think it was filmed in the bay area you just i I don't know when you're telling me this story it like took me to that that movie like i'm like oh my gosh so so that's incredible and and you were there for so you were there for two years ish and and decided i need to Oh, I don't even think I'd been there a year, actually, because Marissa was a baby. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. And um, so I'd only been there. But, you know, I mean, exes are exes. And and my ex had a great job and his habit was music. He's a musician by passion and habit. And every penny and dime we had went to music and he wanted to go gig. And I don't have any um, ill will towards him at all. We were, we are great. We have a wonderful daughter, but, um, I couldn't live in his world and I couldn't live under the way he wanted and needed things. And it was, so I made the choice to go pursue me and protect myself and and what I felt was best for our daughter. So, so gosh, so you weren't there very long. You're in, um, like I, I can't like you're 22 22 23 yeah, yeah so that's i mean uh, you know when you're 22 or 23 you you don't feel like it but um you know you um that's young i mean that's, it is young it it, it is, is. It's, it is young uh i was i mean i was a grown up at a very early age because of life I know, but you're having to make decisions. Like I'm going to leave my daughter with this stranger, basically, um, who's a baby, an infant eight, nine months is still really, you know, I just, uh, it blows me away. So, so you ended up working in this accounting firm, one of the big five or six. Yeah. um, And, and you were there in the Bay area for, you said a little over a decade. Yeah. And I, I worked in, I worked in the accounting world for about three or four years, Ken. Oh, okay. And I left it. Um, and I actually, I know you got a copy of the book that I was just in with Kyle Wilson's compilation book. There's a, there's a, a little bit of this story in that book. It's right here. Awesome. As soon as I get my shipment in, I'll send you a signed copy. How's that? Oh, that's so nice. And hey, you know what? Anybody on your show today who wants to get a signed copy, you let them hit me up. I will be glad to send them a signed copy as well. What if they're in Norway in hell? (laughs) (laughs) Even better. You'll send them a copy all the way in. Absolutely. We got to spread the gospel. Do you know how much the shipping is? <laughs> I do. Do you know I used to ship packages to Den- to Denmark and uh, France and yeah. Australia? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I've got, I mean, you and Kyle and Glenn and uh, it's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, well, um, what I was going to say is I, that the, those work experiences were amazing. I actually climbed the ladder very quickly. Hey, Joe. Joe. <laughs> I love oh, you. God. Trouble just showed up. Yes, he did. <laughs> um, hey, he, yeah, I just did a shot a little video. He sent me this really cool humidor thing. Oh, sweet. Yes, he's yeah, Joe's awesome. Joe is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So um, yeah, so I I had I had this incredible job. I worked amazing people. I worked, I climbed the corporate ladder. I'm a hardworking girl. I, they started figuring out, wow, the girls got skills. Cause I started no college, right? Yeah. 20, 22, 23. Um, I 
within six weeks of me taking the job, they fired the guy who hired me and the lady who took over, she came in, her name's Reva. She's one of my best friends to date. She came in to fire me basically, but she wanted to learn what I need. Cause you know, they were going to clean house and start all over. And, um, oh, and uh, instead she promoted me to his job. I'd been there six weeks and she's like, this girl knows everything that we're doing. And oh my God. It. And <laughs> Wow. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I, I just, I mean, with, I went from making at the time I was, you know, like, I don't know, 30, 40,000 a year by the time I'd worked there less than 18 months and was making six figures at 23, 24 with no college. Um, but I showed up, I showed up, I did the work, I built the relationships, I created a lot of trust. I got moved over to, uh, and that was with bonuses and things like that, right? But um, then wow. I got moved over to, uh, I got recruited over to Price Waterhouse as they were merging with Coopers. Oh my God. And, and took over the same role, but at a higher level for their same department. Making even more money. Uh, yeah. But here's the downside I was a single mom with a four year old, and uh. I was working. 90, 100 hours a week. And I was traveling all over the West Coast, sometimes the country. Uh, and, um, and about that time, my dad was going through some, some physical and mental health problems and serious depression. And so I, um, I went to my boss and said, um, I said, I, I need to take some time off. Well, she was eight months pregnant and we had, were in the middle of this merger. And she's oh, like, geez. she's like, you can't go. Well, I said, I, I have to, I really have to go. And, uh, she told me no. And, um, I didn't have it in me at that time to just walk away. Like I didn't know how to just walk away. And, wow. um, but and this is at Price Waterhouse. Yeah, Price Waterhouse Coop, Coopers, PwC, Coopers and Live, Coopers and Live Brand, yeah, Live Brand, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so when uh, she told me no, I just kind of kept fielding what I could support from my dad from a distance. He was in Texas, I'm in California. I begged my dad to come to California and stay with me for a while, and he he just wouldn't do it. He didn't feel like he could, and. Wow. Um, and, um, that, that all happened in March or April of that year. And, uh, June 2nd, 1999, my dad took his own life and I, um, oh God, I, uh, it, it was the biggest, most significant shift in my life, but it was also the most transformational moment where I decided, no, I needed, I needed to create a place where I could be in charge of my time, my energy, my money, my everything. Cause I didn't want to be where my dad was one day. And I didn't want to not be available for my mom or dad or sibling. I mean, I missed my dad. I couldn't be there for him when I should have been. So I, I walked, so I took two, a two month leave of absence when he passed, I went back to work and you know what, Ken, nothing skipped a beat, nothing fell apart. They didn't need me. They just needed a body that, you know, they figured out how to get the work done. And that was the first time I realized how irrelevant I was to other people. Wow. It was a blessing. It was such a blessing. And I realized the people that mattered most were my daughter, my parents, my, my siblings, my close friends and family. But 
you were 20, let's say five, six, 26, then. 26, and you were making more money than Joe Ingram makes now. I know, I know, <laughs> but Joe's right. Competency counts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I love, I, I love, no, I know. I know. Um, and Cynthia Mannion is interested in the book. So absolutely and, Cynthia, Cynthia, glad to send it to you. She's amazing. So, so wow. So you, you quit. Shit, look, she's making double. Um, you know it, buddy. <laughs> so, and she does. If I could only catch time. up with Joe, that is my wildest dream to catch up with Joe. I am hoping to ride his coattails across the finish line. I'm with you. I know. He's, he's, he actually is a great dude. Oh, I love him. So, I know. I do too. Um, so, so you, so you went back to work after six, taking 60 days off. Yeah, I did. I, I walked back in the office. I walked in to see my partner in charge and I uh, talked to him for a little while. And I actually went in there unsure of what I was going to say or do, Ken. I, I really wasn't sure. Um, I remember my hands shaking and tears, holding my tears. And I, I was talking to my partner, Rick, and I said, I, I don't think I can come back here. I don't think I can, I don't think I can do this anymore. I have to go. Now, mind, I, I will say this. I had already started investing in real estate earlier in the year, probably about 12 months prior. I started flipping houses well before HGTV. Um, so were you swinging a hammer or were you hiding? Oh, heck yeah. I had hammers and saws what? and got carpet and cut down trees and. Okay. I was young. I could do anything back then. Uh, I, I had a big, I had a big why. I had a big why. And it's amazing what you can do with big whys. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so I, uh, I walked in and I didn't have all my decks in a row. I didn't have everything sorted out, but I had, I had, I, I, I had a piece about myself and I just told him, I said, I, I need to leave. I need to, I need to go what I now call create the freedom factor. How much I'm, were you making? I am really curious. At 26 years old, how much were you making? I, I mean, mean, you I had to be making 150? About 125. Okay. But, um, but I, and it, you just like, walked away from that. Yeah. At 26. Yeah. Tammy, that's freaking amazing. I walked away from insurance, guaranteed paychecks, bonuses, a, a lot of upside growth available to me. Um, because I, I needed to be able to choose my family first, no matter what. Wow. That's so you quit. I quit. And you're still in California at the time. You're, you're, um, going through, are you still there? Uh Oh, uh Oh, are you there, Tammy? We are having an internet hiccup. Can you guys hear me still? Let me know if you can still hear me. And I don't know what just happened. She is in <laughs> Newsom shut her down. She's not in California. So she's in Texas. Um, okay, you can hear me. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Teodora. Um, so, okay, now she's gone. So hopefully she'll be back. Let me see. Hang on real quick. Let me just see what we got going here. She was, 
about to slam California and Newscom felt it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I don't know. She must well, obviously she lost her um she lost her internet connection. So Tammy, let's see if she sent me. Nope. Okay. Tell us the rest of her story. I can't do that because I don't know the rest of her story, but I want to hear it. Man, what a great story she has. Um, let me see if. Uh, let me find her in my. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Biden's going to fix the Internet. That would be good. That would be good. Finally, he would do something good. Um, let me see where she is. Hang on real quick. Well, if I can. Here we go. Our. I just sent her a message. So let's see if she can make it back here. If she can't make it back in the next couple of minutes, then we will um, have to reschedule. I, I thought maybe there was a little bit. Oh, there. Hold on. She's she's back. She's back. What happened? I My computer just shut down. I'm like, what happened? I don't even know why it shut down. I'm so sorry. I said I quit and I quit. Ken, that's just the way it goes. It, it literally happened like that too. I know. I know. And I got I, Joe over here going, "Tell us the rest of her story." I'm like, I don't know it. Oh. Doug Wing is convinced that Biden's going <laughs> to fix the internet. <laughs> Doug, if only, if only he would also fix whatever caused when I said I quit, my it just shut down. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Jeez. Oh, that is so. Funny. Oh, hey. So, so, so you quit. And I was saying, okay, so you're still in California. Yeah. And you're, you've got to be dealing with the emotional, like, still, you know, of your dad taking his own life. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know for a long time. I mean, today, I mean, yeah, forever. Sure. it doesn't, it doesn't end. Uh, um, I don't know that I can even ever say it gets easier. It gets different. You get more comfortable with it. I, I have, I've realized that that experience um, gave me a lot of tools and resources to love bigger and appreciate more and to support other people. Um, it definitely just fueled my belief system and being curious. Um, a curious and kind is kind of the foundation of my being. Um, just, I'm not gonna say I'm perfect. I'm not gonna say I can't be a little bit difficult or obtuse, but, uh, <laughs> thank you, Chris. Um, I, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I think that um, can we all show we can all show up with a smile on our face and I am very committed to smiles like I started a smile campaign in honor of my dad like I have this commitment that I have to have five people smile back to me before noon every day phone call zoom email text in person whatever like I have to have people smile back because um, smiles are contagious. They're high energy. They're free. They have a ripple effect. And I have literally had people stop me 
places on the street, in the store, and thank me for the smile. I have had strangers hug me because of that smile. And you know what? It feels good. And and I never know what grief, struggle, pain somebody is in, but a smile always lifts you up. And, and my dad had sort of an awkward, gawky smile. And I just, I love my dad. I miss him. He was my first and most amazing hero. And I feel for some of the struggles he had and we all have struggles and I wish I had the resources for him then that I have today to, to help him. Um, but was, was there a reason? Like, was there a, a reason? Um, so I don't know that I, one, I was never inside his head. Right. Right. Um, right. And you can't so get there. Yeah. I can't say that I would say there's a reason. He did have a physical health ailment um, yeah. caused through his work environment, and that's called sarcoidosis, and sarcoidosis affects the lungs, and it can affect the neurological system. Uh, it was depressing to him to be sick. Like, he'd never been sickly, and so to be sick, didn't he didn't like that. He yeah. um, struggled with... Um, my sister just reminded me of this a couple of months ago because I was struggling with it. Um, thrush. He had severe thrush. He had systemic thrush. What is which, thrush? It is yeast in the body. And oh, it's, so he had a significant uh, yeast imbalance, which affects your gut health. It affects your brain. But I'm going to tell you back in 1999, I don't think, uh, I mean, the, the internet was a baby. Yeah, sure. Um, and I don't think he, my mom, I just don't think we had the resources, the knowledge, the doctors weren't sharing collectively, comprehensively yeah. together. Um, he, and everybody was just like, just get better, just get better, you know, feel better. Just think happy thoughts, right. You know, yeah. to, you know, change your attitude. And, um, he was stressed over things at work and he was very stressed over a financial situation that had led to a lawsuit based on an investment with an organization that was basically a Ponzi scheme. Wow. And he felt like he failed the family by participating in that. And the lawsuit wasn't against him, but, um, <laughs> me too, I should bro. probably not put his comments up on the screen. They're very distracting. Oh, he's good. He's good. He knows what he's doing and you know, it. I know. Oh yes, he does. He um, does. so, uh, so I, I, um, yeah, I, but I, I, I can't say there was any one thing I know okay. this. I <clears> knew <throat> months before he took his life that he would take his life. And that is oh, why wow. did you really, I knew in my heart and soul, I could hear it in his emptiness. And, and that's why I was trying so hard. I would have conversations with him where Ken, he would sit and talk in this flat melatonin, just factual, just talk about things way. And I would sit and just cry and just listen to him. And the oh weekend before he died, um, my sister, my youngest sister had a bridal shower. My next to the youngest brother graduated from high school. So the whole family was together. And I, <laughs> I invited everybody to lunch every day. And my siblings, they would all be like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll go, whatever, where are we going to go? And, and then they'd say, is dad going? And mm -hmm. I said, yeah, I want us to have time. We, we need, and part of it was, I knew he was not in a good place and I needed those memories and I needed those and I wanted to elevate him and I wanted to give to him and I wanted him to see love. And, uh, they all backed out. Everybody backed out of the lunch. So my dad and I went to lunch, 
Saturday wow. and Sunday before he passed away on Wednesday. And I, uh, <laughs> I best conversations with him ever, just the best. And I wish I could have a million of them that, I mean, if you have your parents, there's so much to dive into in the conversation, like get real with them, have real conversations. Do, do you feel like, I mean, you're saying that you had a gut feeling that you knew. I mean, do you feel like you were, um, were you, were you trying to save him? Really funny thing is no, I, I mean, I wanted to in my gut, in my heart, I wanted to save him, but our conversations, <laughs> this is a tough one for me. Um, uh, and I'm very sorry, Doug. Um, it's, it's, uh, as I said earlier in this show, I actually uh, attempted suicide myself. Um, and fortunately was not successful, but when you're in that place there, is, it's so hard to see light. It's so hard to see hope. It's so hard to believe that you're going to be missed or that you have any impact or that you matter. And you hurt so badly. You just want the pain to stop. And I know that about my dad physically and mentally, he hurt so much that, I mean, when, he, when he didn't have to do something, be at work or do something for the family, he literally would go lay on his bed and stare at the ceiling in the dark and just hurt. And it's, it is, it's, it's just total darkness. And so one of the last conversations I had with my dad and he was telling me some of his physical and emotional pain, but not directly. I mean, he was talking, he was talking and sharing and yeah. I heard the hopelessness in him. And I said, dad, I said, dad, I, I, and I'm crying, trying to get these words out of my mouth. I said, dad, I love you. I need you, but I can't go where you are. I can't go be in your darkness. I can't go be in that space. And I'm so sorry you're there. I'm so sad you're there. I said, but I am here fighting for you and I'm here in the light and my hand is outreached and I will do anything and everything to bring you up to where I am, but I can't go be where you are. And I have mixed feelings about that. You know, did I say the wrong thing? Um, but I'm okay with it. You know, I'm, yeah. I, I know I showed up with as much love and truth and vulnerability with him as humanly possible. And, uh, he said a lot of, uh, powerful things I needed to hear in those two days of conversations the interesting thing that happened when I, I took him home from our lunch that Sunday, um, we had sat at a Sonic drive up Sonic yeah. hamburger stand. And we sat there for two and a half hours, maybe three hours, um, in the car talking and kind of eating. And we both had a cherry limeade and, you know, it's like, I remember so many things vividly from that, but my sister's bridal shower was that day and I was late to her shower. So eventually I said, okay, I've got to go to Jenny's shower. And I, I took, I drove my dad back to the house and Ken, he got out of the car. So my dad had this thing where he'd clear his throat before he was going to say something. I was like, <clears throat> you know, and yeah, and we always knew something was coming and he, he cleared his throat, but he didn't say anything and mm. slowly got out of the car. And, uh, I watched him. We had, we had a pretty big front yard and I watched him walking across the yard and, uh, 
I don't remember who it was. There were some other kids, cousins, neighborhood kids. I don't know. There were little kids, maybe probably my daughter and nephew, actually, as I think about it, they were probably <laughs> four years old. Wow. Um, and I just remember there were these figures moving in the yard and my dad's walking towards the house, but all I could see was him. That's all I could see. And everything else just peripheral. And um, I, I, I parked the car and I got out of the car and I called him. And he turned around slowly and I walked up to him and I gave him a hug because I knew I'd probably never see him again. Wow. And so, um, that was our goodbye. And I'm the only person, I'm the only person in our family who actually had a goodbye wow. with him. Cause you knew. I knew in my heart and I knew I was getting on an airplane the next day. Um, and I knew I wasn't going to see him the rest of that, my trip. And I actually left my daughter there. I was leaving my daughter there to spend part of summer with grandparents. And, and my sister was going to fly her back home in a few weeks. And, uh, and so I, I left my four-year-old with my parents and told oh. my dad goodbye for the last time. Wow. So your four, your daughter was there when he, she was, oh my God. Oh my God. Wow. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Um, wow. <clears throat> That's intense, Tammy. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, <laughs> oh, Joe, Jesus. <laughs> Well, that's why I was counting on Joe to lighten the air. I figured if he stuck around, I know. I'm like, somebody, mastery, we would move on quickly. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting here going, I really don't even know what to say now. And Joe broke the ice. Thank you. No, you know what? I, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. And Ken, mm. there, there's, you know what? You know, that's one of actually the things. I have a sister that this is her thing. She speaks about the grief cycle and dealing with these type of losses. And um, thank you, Cynthia yeah. and Jill, very much. And I, um, I, what I would say that the hardest thing we, when people go through, I, I think all all loss is hard, right? And I just told a very good friend of mine, Denise Griffiths, this the other day that I think tr unexpected loss is like just gut wrenching, shred your heart to pieces, hard to process and deal with. Right. Yeah. Right, so whether right. it is a suicide or a car wreck <laughs> or whatever tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you, Christopher. Um, I, that, that there is loss is painful and it hurts. I mean, I've, I've lost both my parents at this point, wow. um, and other friends and family, but parents is a big deal, right? Losing your parents. And at least it's in the right order, I should say, but it's still hard. And I was 26 when I lost my dad. That's just way too young. Like yeah. I miss having a dad. I miss having that rock. I miss having that, that light and guide and, and I miss it. But, um, but I, I don't, I've never been angry over it. Like I'm grateful he's at peace and I'm grateful for the impact he had on me in my life. Um, our time together. Um, there are, there are no easy words. Like you said, I don't know what to say. And when people go through a loss, so many people, they don't know what to say. When my dad died, I would see people and they'd either avoid me 
or they didn't know what to say, or they'd fumble through their words. And the truth is, it's there are no right words. And I would say the worst thing to say is, how are you doing? Because we're not good, you know? Right, right. That is, we are in a fragile, disheveled, brokenhearted place. And what I find um, is the safest things to say are, I'm here for you. You know, I, I, we went through this with, um, <laughs> Joe, <geez. laughs> oh my God, <laughs> he's always trying to just, you know, uh, but I have, you know, I, I have fun stories too, Joe. I'm just not yeah. naturally very funny. Yeah. But my wife, her father passed away suddenly and, um, <clears throat> And it, it was it was devastating, and and to 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 go through that with her was just I mean it, it it's a lot to navigate from this side. It was like I, I you don't know what to do. You can't really. There's nothing you can really say or do except for just be there. Yeah, I mean just being there and just saying I'm here for you. I love you. I support you. Um, you know what. Me personally, I was okay with people saying it's going to be okay, but in the moment, it doesn't feel like it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so um, um, it's, I think that the most important thing is to, to show up with love and curiosity and kindness, you know, yeah, Just, right. you know, yeah. how can I support you? What, what do you need from me? What do you yeah. need to hear? How, you know, and hugs, oh my gosh, like for some people that's hard because I mean, for me, it was cathartic and, you know, especially the right people hugging you, the people you love to hug and hold, just yeah. hold, just cause you know, the, the, the power, like a hug is nice. A 20 yeah. second hug, even better. A minute hug, powerful holding somebody while they're at their weakest, most painful moment and just letting them be weak and cry or sigh or just yeah. barely hold it together for two yeah. to five minutes. I don't think people understand how powerful that is. And to just be that comfort and that, you know, there's a reason weighted blankets are selling like crazy, <laughs> you know? That's like, right. And that's why, I mean, Joe sells hugs. I love it when him and I embrace. Um, Joe, I already bought it. Did you not get my check? <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I, I so let, let's, let's, let's do this because we're not, I, this is typically about an hour and we're an hour and five and, and, and we're fine. I, I will go as long as we need to, but I, I do want to, because at some point you are, um, at 26, you're, you're, you, you, you quit your job, which was an amazing job, right? Um, what happened then? Where, where, I mean, did you stay in California? Did you? Uh, I did stay in California, um, for quite a while. Um, I, I was working in the real estate world, doing things as an investor. That's, um, yeah. And I, I got my, my real estate agent. She's like, you're so good at this. You should get a license and be a real estate agent. Oh, wow. So I did. Cause wow. I, I was like, why not? I, you know, yeah. what else? So I became an agent. I very quickly became um, an assistant team leader with Keller Williams. They recruited me. The reason I came back to Texas is they recruited me to run an office in East Texas um, and so I just continued, carried my adventures over 
um, to, to East Texas. I left again because <laughs> I just, I, I got, I got married <laughs> again and decided, and he had some things going on with his career that required a move. So I needed to move away from that job. And wow. so I just, I, this girl just goes where flow is, where opportunities and adventure and things that are in alignment with me. Um, that's awesome. So I just kind of, I have definitely, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Robert Frost and the road less traveled. And I uh, definitely have paved a lot of my own dirt paths and yeah, I cross over onto the highway here and there and hang out. And then I'm like, let's exit and let's go see what's going on here. So what, what I, what ahead. is East Texas? Is that like, is that Houston area? I am about two hours directly east of Dallas on I-20, about an hour shy of being in Shreveport. So I'm oh, like wow. 30 minutes to the Texas border. I I can get to other states faster than I can get to Dallas. So, Oh my gosh. Uh, wow. Three and a half hours north of Houston. So wow. It's called the Arklatex, Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas. And I call it the land behind the pine curtain. Do, is that near uh, Texarkana? Uh-huh. Um, it is. I am. Uh, I'm 45 minutes to an hour from Texarkana. Yeah. So I can't. I. It's a long story I won't go into, but I was going to move to Dallas once. So I went down there and stayed in a extended stay hotel or something for a couple of weeks. But. I stopped in Texarkana. Now this is back when I used to drink and I was much younger, but I stopped and spent the night in Texarkana and I was sitting in like a Friday's restaurant and there, it was like, I was the only dude. It was all women, like young <laughs> women too. And I was like, so I'm talking to the bartender. I'm like, why am I like the only dude in this restaurant? And there's like all these women. He's like, it's the, some university there or something like, and it's like almost all women or something. I don't know what it was. I, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know what school it is either. And I should probably, but um, I, mean, I, I was, I thought I'm going to move here. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is life before Dallas. Jill, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah. Way, 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 way. But anyway, so, um, so you, you ended up back and you're married again and, and living in East, East Texas. Again. Yeah. Yeah. We, we eventually landed back in East Texas and have a little boy, uh, who's now not so little, but, um, Dre and <laughs> Ken just forgot his wig. <laughs> yeah. Right. I guess. Wow. Um, yeah. So, uh, I'm back in East Texas. I've stayed in the real estate space as an investor, uh, realtor. Now I do commercial lending. And what I really love doing is getting, I, I put money and deals and opportunities together. And so most of it's backed by real estate. But as you know, we work on some projects outside of real estate as well. That's, that's yeah. kind of, it, there has to be a really strong driving cause for us to do that, a good fit. But, um, but my partner, Billy Brown, and I um, love connecting with people. We, we have a concierge commercial lending business where we're really more than a bank. We really show people how to amplify their wealth, take their assets, leverage them, let your lender be your friend and um, wow. learn how to, to use different vehicles from a tax perspective. Um, we have an educational platform that we offer for people to invest in and, and learn more about not just accessing other people's money, whether it's bank, private money, hard money, institutional, non-institutional, but um 
also ways to to take your how to build wealth through debt, you know, and yeah. so um, you know, which is kind of more of a Robert Kiyosaki model, and 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 we're not, you know, we're, we're not uh, anti Dave Ramsey, but you can't save yourself wealthy. Um, is that Grant Cardone says that all the time? Like you can't <laughs> save yourself. So do you do deals like for, for people like Grant that buy these $100 million yeah, complexes? That's, and... I mean, I'd be happy to do Grant's $100 million loan for sure. Wow. Um, I mean, we we primarily, our loans start at a million dollars. You know, we do some smaller things as well, but- um, I could use a million dollars. Let's talk. <laughs> okay, let's talk. <laughs> so yeah, and, and then people think that commercial real estate is apartments and hotels and office buildings. Commercial real estate is, you can do a commercial real estate loan on a portfolio of single family homes. So if you own three or 10 or 20 single family homes, you know, and we show people how to bundle those, you can get loans and LLCs and entities, wow. you know, there's just, there's so many ways. And, and I love talking to people about the freedom factor. And, and because to me, it's so important, like money is great, but for me, I I've chosen to create a, a, a business and investments that give me time. Time is the most important thing to me because I want to be with my kids. Um, I've traveled the world with my children. My daughter had two weddings in France. Um, the one she got married for to legally be there and then the big gala event wedding. Um, and I've spent months at a time, you know, we, we spent three weeks traveling to Bali and back when she lived in Australia you and Jill, you guys need to be friends, by the way, <clears throat> you and my wife. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> wow. Like you have just, you've built an empire, it sounds like. Well, my empire is built around other relationships and trust and love. I, I wish I had all the billions in the bank that, you know, our friend Joe has. <laughs> look, look what Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joe, on paper, yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't think you can list those as an asset though, but, but so, wow, Tammy, I, so I, like, I didn't know all this about you. This is incredible. Well, I mean, the, I think you and I've kind of met each other through friends like Jennifer Moran and Ron yeah. White and, and, um, Glenn Kyle. and Christopher and Joe and Kyle and, yeah. and, and yes, and we have great friends and, you know, and I've been blessed to, to have great relationships with so many of these people. And for me, that's why I am focused on relational capital because relational capital is what's given me the opportunity to create financial capital, create wealth and create my fin financial wealth, my emotional wealth. Um, I think Yoakam or somebody earlier talked about emotional intelligence. Like, I mean, I just, yeah. I am so blessed with abundance on so many levels. And, and so my empire starts at home. I love the, I I love it. Do you know Pam Goodwin? I know that name. I don't think I don't think we're connected. Or we may be Frankie. She's a, she does a lot of commercial real estate. Like oh. I, I need to connect you guys. She's in Dallas. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, in fact, she's she's who introduced me to to all the Zigglers, Tom and Julie. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And wonderful Cindy. group of wonderful family. Love yep. them. Love them. They're dear friends. So so let me ask you a question. What? And this is in your opinion. I always ask this at the end of the interview and we're, we're getting there. Um, <clears throat> unless you need to go right now. No, not right now. Okay. <laughs> I um, would never leave you hanging twice. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Thank you. What do you think in your opinion, what 
holds people back from achieving financial success because it's important. I don't care what anybody says. It's important. Yeah. Um, and, and real freedom, happiness in, in life. Uh, I would say first self-worthiness. Um, most people, uh, I talk to, there's, there's still this, this little doubt hanging on, like, am I worth that? Am I, mm. am I worth making that? Am I worth receiving that? Am I worth having that? Uh, especially women. Okay. So especially women, I, I find that when I'm in conversation with them, I can dig in and hear, um, they'll say things. Um, that a lot of, a lot of our generation was definitely raised with the money doesn't grow on trees mentality. Okay. Um, clarity is another, I think, especially today, people are in such a instant gratification, fast paced, got to make things happen now mode that they're not planning. They don't have a one year, five year, 10 year, 25 year plan. And they're not reverse engineering. And, and, and then the other is, uh, they don't know and they don't have a great power team, so they don't know what to do. So procrastination because they don't want to make a mistake making the wrong decision because they've watched their friend, Joe. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. I, I, they've watched somebody, <laughs> um, you know, get into a Ponzi. I watched my dad. I watched my dad be part of a Ponzi scheme. I watched my parents do network marketing that they never pulled off, right? They never made any money. They poured money into, never made any money out of. We got lots of Tupperware and lots of costume jewelry along the way and some vitamins, but. Right, um, right. But uh, so they, people watch people fail. So if it's out of your comfort zone, it's not the nine to five. It's not guaranteed, guaranteed. It's not whether, no investment is guaranteed and you can never, you, you can never achieve your ultimate goal strictly by working a, a nine to five job um, and by not having clarity and not having this, the, this self-confidence and worthiness. I think those are the big things that you really have to know what you want, why you want it and believe you're worth having it. Amen. Total. I, I totally agree. So with, you know, <clears throat> there was a time and I always tell this story, but there was a time when um, my wife and I, Jill and I opened up our first office. We had just met. I had the company for a couple of years already. And and we decided to open an office and start hiring employees. And and um, and and this guy that worked for me, big dude, comes walking in my office. Uh, Boss, there's a there's a uh, there's a dude out in the parking lot looking in the windows of your SUV. And I'm like bro, you're bigger than I am. Go out there and tell him, get the hell out of here. And he's like, well, he's kind of got it blocked with a tow truck. And I was <laughs> like, oh, damn it. This is not happening in front of, you know, I only had a few four or five employees and, but they were all getting paid. We weren't. <laughs> and, and neither was the bank for the car loan. And, yeah. and so, um, and I remember that was a very, very humiliating moment probably the most humiliating moment in my life. And, and I've been through a lot of crap. Um, and, and, you know, with the, and um, this is a touchy subject, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. And, you know, the last couple of years, um, a friend of mine runs the Ohio for the state of Ohio. He runs the suicide hotline and, and with the pandemic and everything, 
the suicide rates have gone through the yeah. freaking roof. Yeah, they have. If somebody's like they've gone through repos and electric being shut off and just I and I've been through all of that personally, um, you know, I have to. <laughs> and, and you get to that place mentally where you're like, what is the freaking point of going on? What is the point? This is bullshit. Like, I can't I can't take this anymore. Right. And and so somebody if somebody is like. They, they feel like they've tried everything. They're, they've done everything they know how to do. They can't figure it out. And maybe they're hanging on by one tiny little thread. With, with everything that you've been through, and I'm going to give you full screen, by the way. Um, with everything you've been through, everything you've seen, what would you say if that person called you right now and said, I don't know what to do. I'm barely hanging on. What would you say to them to help them get through to the next moment? Well, the first thing, the first thing I would say is when I've had to push through to the next moment, I do what I call 10 seconds to brave. Okay. Mm. And I literally think just 10 more seconds and I'm there just 10 more seconds and I'll finish this just 10 more seconds and I'll be through this phone call or this, I'll have this connection 10 more seconds and I can breathe again. And I, I also implemented breathing exercises, which, uh, I think you may know Dr. Amy Novotny, but she, she helped me get through COVID. I love Amy. She's amazing. She is amazing. And I was doing some breathing exercises before I met her. And then she just taught me to take it to like an exponential level. Right. Um, so 10 seconds to brave, breathe, stop, write down what you want, write down. So, you know what? So you know, I just, I, this is my first week living again in two and a half months. Okay. I went through COVID thrush and then a ruptured appendix that with complications. Um, uh. and I wasn't sure I was going to live through it. I got depressed through it. I had a lot of anxiety. I wasn't, yeah. I let up a lot of people down. I wasn't doing my work. I wasn't doing things. I, you know, I let my family, this is how I felt. Okay. doesn't mean it's true. Right. But I had to have my own little talks about 10 seconds to brave. I had to have my own little talks about breathing and breathing through pain, breathing through anxiety, breathing through stress, depression. And I, uh, I really, one day I sat down and can, I literally, I I did this, I, I wrote it down and then I typed it on my phone. Another day I created another list. I wrote down, I'm a survivor. I am a survivor. And I remembered, and I I use this phrase frequently, but I'd kind of forgotten it. When I was 16, I'd been going through some tough things. And I declared, I may be a victim in a moment, but I will not live as a victim. I may be victimized, but I will not live as a victim. I am victorious. I am a survivor. And so I literally wrote down about 30 things I have survived. Just in this show, you've heard some things I've survived. Yeah, a lot. Yes. And I still show up with a smile. Yeah. And it you doesn't do. mean it's easy every day. You know, some days it's hard, but I just am like, no. And and I, I and so I write down, I've survived, write that. So I would say 10 be brave for 10 seconds. Do some deep breathing exercises. It it works. Yeah. Write down. Write down for three minutes, write down everything you can think of that you're grateful for. For three minutes, write down everything you've survived. It hasn't killed you. You're still here. For three minutes, write down everything you want 
right? Write down everything you want. Okay. Now to get, take action, you know, the difference between who you are today and who you're going to be tomorrow or in six months or in six years, it is the thoughts you have, the people you surround yourself, the content you consume, and most importantly, the action you take. Boom. So true. And so get up and do something, damn it. Get Amen. up and do something. Okay. And I have these pep talks with myself some days, <laughs> but get up and do something. Make a phone call, phone a friend, go, go to a coffee shop. Don't stay home and work in isolation. Go to a coffee shop, eavesdrop, get on social <laughs> media and do some stalking, what I call recon <laughs> and start learning about people you resonate with and connect with them because you know what? Other successful people love to help other people. Yes. So true. And so just go in and just, you know, don't apologize for yourself. And one of the, the first things you can do is you don't have to apologize, but say, thank you for your patience and understanding. Can you, could you offer me some advice? Could you make an introduction or, and then get to the point where go join a RIA, go join an investing club, go learn something that you want to get involved in to, to make you, you can create wealth building opportunities for $27, $97. There's, there's free resources on YouTube left and right. And follow Tammy. And follow because Tammy. if you don't, I, and I mean this, listen, people may not know the stuff you're talking about right now. And, and the, if they get involved with you, you have, you have paid programs that we do. We have our, we have our training program that teaches about lending and we are yeah. going to be adding more real estate content. And I have relationships with people who teach specifically real estate content, but there's a lot of stuff you can do for free. There is a lot. You just, you have to take the action. Look, my, my wife, uh, she would not have typed. Listen, I'm telling you, I know Jill very well. She's, she loves you. I can tell. So, um, <laughs> Thank wow. You, Jill. You're, you're freaking amazing. Like absolutely amazing. Chad Kneller is in oh, the house. Chad! I love Chad. Chad Kneller, like Knife. That's how you say his yes, name. That's right. Chad Kneller. <laughs> I love Chad. He's awesome. Amazing. Tammy, you are amazing. This has been, with the exception of your computer dying and leaving us hanging for a couple of minutes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, this has been amazing. Um, everybody needs to go follow. Do you have a website people can follow you on? <laughs> I am on, I'm all over Facebook and LinkedIn, but, um, my, my professional, our company website is, uh, the investors capital group.com. Um, but, and you, and you can get on, you can schedule calls with me. I have a Calendly link, um, that's, posted i've got that posted a couple of places i know it's on linkedin i think it's on my facebook i'm one of my facebook links too but um there's Is that right did i did i spell the investors right? yes sir you got wow. it right wow so wow this has been absolutely incredible Ken, I, I mean, I said in the beginning, you're an amazing interviewer and thank you for giving me the space to show up. And you guys, actually, I shared some things I don't share a whole lot. Not that I'm ashamed or not willing to share them. They just don't always come to my heart. And I'm always happy to share what I feel like is, you know, needs to come out in that moment. You're, you're incredible. I want to say thank you. And um, everybody needs to follow you on Facebook. You do a lot of content on Facebook. So um, follow 
if she likes you, she may accept your friend request. I, I don't know. Um, I'm blessed to, to call you a friend. Oh, thank I you. can't wait to meet you in person. I know. I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to be in Dallas. I think, um, do you know, Craig does I don't know Craig, but it probably should if you do. Yeah, uh, Glenn introduced us. Craig was um, Axel Rose's personal assistant for four and a half years. He traveled the world with Guns and Roses. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. but anyway, I'm going to be speaking at Craig's event in Dallas in January, I think. So. Well, let me know anytime you're in Texas yeah. and uh, yeah. Louisiana, Arkansas. Oklahoma. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, hey, stay with me. I'm going to end the live stream, but stay on here so we can finish up when when this is over. Um, and and I want to say thank you to everybody who's who's watched and, and share. You. If you shared this out, there's special blessings for you somewhere. Um, just got to look for them. So thank, thank you. you. Appreciate you. Thank you, Tammy. You're amazing. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Ken. Thank you. All right. We'll see you guys all later. Have a great day. Make it a great weekend as well. Thanks so much.